All I'm there to do is to help Austin become a better him and vice versa. But in the meantime, I got to become a better person for myself. Welcome to A Way Through, brought to you by Archway Academy, Houston's Sober High School. Twice monthly, we join recovery advocates, industry-leading experts, and medical professionals to discuss topics about adolescent addiction, the effects of social media, and what it means to be a teenager in this day and age. The goal of this podcast is to create a space where professionals can come together, share insights gleaned from working with teens and their families. We also strive to be a resource for parents with teens recovering from substance use disorder with care, compassion, respect, and rigor. We believe that although it may be hard to see it now, something different is possible. This is A Way Through. My name is Andrew. I'm the admissions specialist at Archway. And my name is Jamie. I'm the Director of Community Relations at Archway. Welcome, Austin and Zeno, to the Way Through Podcast. Yes. Austin and Zeno, in some parts of the world, are known as the underground gods of horror here in H-Town. They both have experience as people in recovery. They both were staff at facilities. Austin has experience as a personal trainer, and they're pretty much jack-of-all-trades. So they do a lot. Philanthropists. They've also come to speak to our kids at Archway before, which is really awesome. So we're excited to have y'all. Topographer. Appreciate you, man, for having us, man. Really into that topography. <laughs> so, and you'll have to show us some of your dance moves later, Austin. <laughs> oh, yeah. I got big man moves. Yeah. So when it comes to recovery, people are introduced to it in a variety of ways. Sometimes stuff hits the fan and it's like, oh, my God, we got to get our, our, our family member to treatment. Sometimes... Things are slow to explode. <laughs> Can you guys tell me a little bit about how you were introduced to recovery and to the Texas house in particular? I, you know, was a knucklehead and did the whole, you know, I bumped my head a lot. But the first time I was introduced to AA, I was 14 because I got in trouble. And then I was in nine other facilities until I got court ordered to the Texas house when I was just about 21 right, in 2003. The Texas house changed my life because there I actually learned, oh, you know, I'm not a, a bad person trying to get good. I'm an, I have a disease. I'm a, I'm a drug addict and alcoholic. I'm a sick person. I'm not a bad, you know, I'm trying to get well. It, I'm not a bad person trying to get good. You know, I it really like we had to read the, the big book there. And that, when I read the big book, that kind of was like, yo, I have this. So then I felt like I would be stupid not to follow that. You know, I felt like God, I would, I'd be a dummy not to listen to this. Because I have this. Then I was in there with his older brother, and then he came through, and then you can do your part. Yeah. Um, my introductory, I would say when I was 19, man, I was uh, I was on probation when I was 19. And I, I actually got involved in AA because it was like court ordered to go. You know what I'm saying? And, but really, man, I didn't get the grasp of, of recovery then because I, I failed. I got like a couple of dirty UAs on probation. So I was forced to go to a drug court program where it's like I went had to go through these different phases. And that was at 19. If I had caught it at 19, like I also caught it at 20, man, no telling what happened. But I didn't enter the Texas house until I was 31 years old. You know what I'm saying? So once I entered the Texas house, it was just a whole different ballgame for me. That was my first time going to like a real actual uh, treatment for recovery that's saying like, hey, man, you got a problem. You know what I'm saying? For your family must to come get you that 
you were kind of like getting high with and doing your thing with to let you know, hey, man, you're doing way more than what we ever thought you'd do. And you got to go to recovery and get help. I, my, the reality the reality kicked in the day I was going to the sex house. And the day I sat in and filled out like my application or whatever it was to go into the sex house, it was like the reality kicked in like, man, I'm, I'm a dope fiend, man. I'm a drug addict. You know what I'm saying? I really, I really got a problem, but I didn't know. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, my thing was I'm trying to get through this as easy as possible until like my month of being in the Texas house. And I'll get further into that later on. And Austin, did you say you were also court ordered or how did you get in- in- introduced to Texas? Yeah. The first time, like I was uh, court ordered to treatment, I was 14. And then my life really was like, my teenage years were not fun for me. It was all like, I'll never forget when I was 14, the, the lady was like, you're, if you're a real alcoholic and drug addict, your life is going to be nothing but jails, institutions, and deaths until you do this, you know, until you get recovery. And so it was, you know, so then I got court ordered to the Texas house for, I don't know, this is one of those weird things, because I don't know how they accepted me, because my, my charge was aggravated assault with a deadly weapon, but it was a big bar fight, and no one knows really what happened, and I was in a blackout, I don't know what happened. So they they were kind of like, you know, I don't know what happened, but my my lawyer was kind of like, hey, look, he needs help, you know, and the judge, I don't know how, but she knew about the Texas house and she was like, OK, you're going to the Texas house. It's a year long thing. And it's real. You know, it's a real um, there's a lot of rules and stuff. She said, if you get kicked out, you're going to do 16 years straight. So I got there and I was thinking, oh, this is another treatment. You know, I've been to treatment a billion times. Um, so I thought, oh, this is, you know, I've been to, to Harris, you know, HCPC, I've been committed, you know, all had all these problems and I hated, I really did not like my life, you know? And then um, I tried to get sober several times and couldn't, I tried my hardest and I, and I, the most I ever made it was six months when I was 16. And that's when I really learned that me drinking and using has nothing to do with drugs and alcohol. It has to, cause I kept getting worse throughout the six months, you know, like, by month three, I was three times as more insane and restless, irritable, discontent than month one. And so that's when I, you know, and so I thought it was hopeless. But when I got to the Texas house, they showed me, no, you can actually do it. And there was knuckleheads in there like me that had done it. And that's what I saw was was guys in there that had done it, that actually knew, you know, that were like me, you know, cats that were, that had a similar story to mine and who thought like me and always felt different. And once I learned that, that was what was crazy different for me. So I was in there from 2000, yeah, in 2003, and I did the whole year there and then just stayed ever since because I learned, you know, it just was this doing, being sober is such an easier way of living for me. You know, all I got to do is go to meetings. That's a lot better. Going to meetings is a lot better than having to, you know, do treks and missions all around town to get your favorite drug of choice. And, you know, if you don't have a job, that, that could get pretty sticky. You know what I mean? So I've been in recovery ever since. And then we we met because I was going up there to do the meeting still on Friday nights. And at, and I hadn't been in a while. And then I, I went up there to someone, uh, my old roommate there asked me to come back and do the meetings. And he was already a staff member there. And then we, I was like, oh, you, you know, he, you know, he was like, you know, you know, my brother, Ali. And I was like, yeah, you know, he was a, one of my best friends. So it just clicked off like that. And, we, and then, um, I came back there to uh, become a property manager. We've been kicking it tough ever since, man. Yeah. Ever since. So it was my support group. I figured it's easy just to have your support group with you. 
You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> so, so it makes it a lot easier. Yeah. So can you guys tell everyone listening a little bit about what the Texas House offers their residents, some of the things they do on a day-to-day basis, weekly basis? So Texas House, basically, like, we, when you first get in, you, you're in orientation. But you get, like, I say, like, about a month before, or two to three weeks before you get out of orientation. It depends on, because basically, like, you get, so when you get in, you get a big brother. That's the first thing you get. You get a big brother. He kind of gives you the steps of what's going on in Texas House, what you got to do. And then, like, after you get out of orientation, you get like a sign. Either you're gonna be, either you're gonna work in the office. You're gonna do maintenance if you can know how to fix things. A lot of us do road crew, and you either work in the kitchen or you work water parks. And I did basically almost all the job functions up there except maintenance in office. But uh, so like if you drive, you have a driver's license, you end up being a driver. But it's so many things. So what the Texas House does for you is structure your life out. So at five, before 5.45, you're already up at the text house. You up eating breakfast, getting ready to go to work. So that's the that's the structure that a lot of us as addicts needed. We didn't have it. You get up, what's the first thing you do as an addict? You don't do nothing. You just lazy if you get up. So when you get up in the text house, you get up, you got to make your bed, make sure it's at a 90-degree angle. Yeah, military folder corners. You got you to gotta clean up the room. You got to have a sign in the cleaning room. You might have to clean the restroom. You might have to clean the floors. I might have to clean baseboards. You clean it up before you even much walk out the room. Your room got to be spotless because somebody's going to come check that later. First thing you do is get your breakfast. You go and eat your breakfast. After breakfast, you loading up to get to go road crew or water park. You do your job function. It's called, and it's like, that's, that's until you go to work phase. You're doing that consistently Monday through Friday. Yeah, eight hours of work. At, well, some sometimes it would be up to 10 or 12. Yeah, depends. I mean, you got to finish the job. Yeah, you're you picking trash up what all the way down 45 by 10. Yeah. In the summer on yeah. the middle in the middle of the day. Or if you're in the coming to winners in the winter. So, so they they call it, they say that you're getting some extra treatment today. Yeah. And, and, and it's brutal, man. And for, for cats like me, you know, it was tough. Like I'm you know, I'm a spoiled brat, man. I never folded a bed in my life, you know, like I never had a job or did, you know, so it was like it was, you know, they kind of show you how to be a, a man. And everything they ask you to do in there. It's not what you have to do anyways, you know, but but for an undisciplined cat like me, it was that structure help. And there's a billion. So you, they give you a packet and there's a billion rules. Terminologies. Terminologies. Yeah. So so let's say so one of the rules is you have to have your shirt tucked in. Yes. So that was a, a big one for me, like the first day. So if you don't have your shirt tucked in. So a guy will come up to you and say, pull up on your shirt tail. And that's the therapeutic part of the community. Yeah. And if you say anything or do anything other than say thank you and tuck it in, if you do anything else, like what, 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 boom, you'll get, you'll get a, you'll get an LE, a learning experience. And yes. that'll usually be like a thousand words on why following the but rules is important. It's supposed to be like, if you go to Texas, this is like you said, it's a structure you follow. So the first one should, should be a pull up. Like I verbally pull you up, you verbally say thank you and it cease behavior. But if you continue, that's when the LE comes. And if you continue again, you get put in the TPR panel. Yeah. And and it's like your peers telling you how you for yourself. Therapeutic peer reprimand. Yes. And or and then and then on Wednesday nights they have confrontation group. Yes. And that's where they put you in the room in the chair of the middle of 80 people, and people guys get up take turns telling you about yourself yes and it's pretty you know it's and, intense man and i was in there you know i was 20 years old turned 21 in there and i was in there with a bunch of grown dudes like 
I, you know, I was scared to death in there. There was cats in there, you know, there was, there was some rough cats in there. You that's, know? that's one thing about the Texas house. What, uh, what I, what I learned too, man, is, uh, from 18 to close, I think it was, it was a guy in there like 60 some years old. Like everybody's in recovery. It, it, it didn't pick an age. It didn't pick a, a race. It didn't pick a religion. It didn't pick the background you come from. Cause you know, I, I went to college, man. I got a college degree and everything. But the whole time I'm going to school, I'm getting high. You know what I'm saying? So this, my actions from from being an adolescent after high school led was leading me to the Texas house. So when I got there, it wasn't the structure part. It was like Austin was saying, it's the more, because it's only not structure, it's a behavior modification place. Yeah. So you're going to learn more about yourself. If you're working on yourself, then I'm going to learn about Austin. All I'm there to do is to help Austin become a better him. And vice versa. But in the meantime, I got to become a better person for myself. And and that's what they call it. We have, they have PSGs. It's a peer support group. So it's like probably like four or five of us in one group room. And you sharing your deep, most inner thoughts with a guy that you would never think you would ever do in your life. It, it's mind blowing, man. Yeah. I mean, it's like take a hundred drug addicts and I'll give them the same job. Yeah. You know, let, and let them live together. And from different points you know, it's going to be life, crazy without the structure. So Definitely. the rules so you know, the you have you either change real quick, you'll change and learn how to adapt and get along with others, or they'll kick you out because yeah. you'll you know you you'll either they say grow or you go. Yeah. You know, but you you will and that and that program more than any. It's intense, you know, because you're in a room. It's not just you by yourself in a nice little fancy room like that five other guys that your mommy and daddy paid for. Yeah. You know, you're in there with guys straight out of prison or homeless or anyone who wants free treatment because you pay your own way through treatment by working for the Texas house. And that's why it's the it was the best place for me because I paid for my own treatment with my own stuff. And, you know, and if I have friends that went to normal treatment and they got it there and that's great for them. But for me. I had a lot of discipline. I had I needed discipline yeah. and structure. And that's a good segue into what you've already we've already discussed a lot, but it's a good segue into this question. What were the things that looking back you benefited most from? Or what were the things that the staff did that you benefited most from? So for example, you talked about how something as simple as making your bed was like yeah. a way to instill discipline and help you get your mind right. And then and Zeno, you had talked about being in a group with with other men, four or five other men, and talking about, you know, kind of the real you, being a little more transparent than you would with another group of people. Man, that's 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 huge. So if you want to elaborate more on those things or think of any other things that really stood out as, man, this was impactful, or what this staff member did, or the way they approached me, that was impactful. So I lost my mom in 2009. So I went in there, it was 2011. And the counselor, uh, Mr. Donato, man, it was, it was, the, the above and beyond for because I you have a counselor now and it's more than just like a camp counselor it's like a real live counselor that could actually talk to you you know what I'm saying and our one on ones became the most uh, uplifting thing for me because I didn't know I was grieving I didn't know how to grieve you know what I'm saying after my mom death I didn't know about that man this dude broke me down with uh, grievance packages that I read because he was like man when your mom passed like 2009 he's like you grieve I'm like what grieve like yeah grieve no what's something like I like you. I cried a little bit. He's like, no, are you dealing with you dealing? It doesn't matter. He said, death, you deal with grievance. It, it don't matter who you are. You could be brushing away like, oh, that didn't really matter. Oh, that is it. It hits hard. And, my, and I was masking it, you know, by doing drugs, of course. 
But he broke it down to me like, hey, man, you're going through grievance, man. And he gave me a package. And to me, I was like, that's when I started knowing about the text. I was like, man, it's deeper than what that I'm that I'm really seeing. Like, if I if you just look at it, you like, oh man, I'm just here for recovery. But it's actually, wow, I learned about grievance. Mm. I didn't know how to grieve. I didn't know I was supposed to cry a lot when I needed to cry. I didn't know, hey, you're gonna feel this type of way forever in your life. Now, how are you gonna deal with it when it happens again? Like, how how can you mask it if you're not getting high or drunk? Like, who are you gonna talk to about? Your mom passing. Then you find out it's like five other dudes in their mom passed. Y'all instantly connect, you know, and, and it's from the Texas house. And I and I never I never thought I'd get something like that in a place like that. Yeah, it really gives you all the tools you need to live sober on your own. Yeah. You know, because when you get out in the in the world, you know, you gotta go to work and yeah. you gotta clean your house and yeah. you gotta pay your bills and you gotta, you know, do all and it shows you how to do that while still being in recovery, because then you come home at night and you go to your group and then you and you're you're learning all these. You know, it's a practice to when you're in the world, you're yeah. learning how to function. Transition like and what they call totally. it. Totally. And live. So, and you, you're you're learning your tools on how to be sober, which was huge for me. Like, I'm also bipolar. I'm bipolar. The behavior thing, you know, I had to learn like, hey, man. The only thing the one one thing that Texas House taught me is like what I'm thinking does not matter at one bit. All that matters is my actions. Like, you know, that that's it. If I, if I don't get my way, I can't, you know, throw a temper tantrum because I'm going to get an LE. You know, I can't curse somebody out or curse out a counselor because you know, I'm going to get an LE or confronted. And, you know, if you did too many of that, they would just, kick, you know, they put you on, they'd call it, a, the, you're going to the poll and they would have everyone vote on you, whether you stay or go. Yeah. So if you weren't really trying to get it, if you were in there screwing around and, and not taking it seriously. They it flying under the radar. Yeah, they'd vote you out. <laughs> and I was getting 16 years, you know, so I was like, was really, and oh, another part of the program is you got to get a sponsor and work the steps. And that really changed me. Uh, you know, I went from, like, I was getting into it with everybody. You know, I'm a knucklehead, man. So I was getting into it with everybody. And then within three months, I was like the happiest I'd ever been, ever. Because I was like happy, you know, I, I had serenity. I knew what I was supposed to do, you know. And then I also, I learned that me just doing the, you know, taking care of business makes me happy because you're not, you don't have people yelling at you all the time. You know, I was I was a kid that always got yelled at, man, all, like my whole life. So I didn't care about getting in trouble because I've always yelled at anyway. So like, but I learned, you know, I'm I'm with people who are like me and I'm with people, you know, I met my my first real friends I ever had at the Texas house. You know, me, me and Zeno have lived together for Oh, how many years now? Seven, five, something like yeah, that. Yeah, man. But like been friends, you know, been the best friends I ever had there. It really changed my, like we had a, you know, we had all types in there. And there was, you know, I, I was a spoiled brat and I hated my parents, you know, kind of thing. I was in there with a guy that was a ward of the state. You know, he was dropped off at a, a fire station in Washington, D.C. And he and I was in a group talking about my mommy and daddy. And he, he looked at me and he was like, what do you have to complain about? And it, it, that hit me hard, man. Like there's people that would kill to be in my shoes. And I didn't understand that. I was so selfish and self-centered. Every little thing that didn't go my way, you know, I would blow up. It changed me in, in time. I wouldn't definitely wouldn't be alive right now if it wasn't for that place. And, you know, they teach you the how to work your recovery plan like how to function, how to do all your stuff and go to work. And what happens, okay, what happens 
when you go to work and you don't get your paycheck on time and you miss a bill? Like what what do you do? But the text out the text house is is more of a I, I would I would look at it as accountability. You know what I'm saying? Because when I when I went through that, I, I was a I was actually a house coordinator. So that's kind of like basically you you know you you manage the house. So before before when I became house coordinator, I always you know I didn't really I wasn't really too much worried about how it was ran. I kind of was figuring it out without having to know exactly. But it gave you like this. So a house coordinator, you get everything in front of you. So I could see if you writing a ticket on Austin, I could see if Austin writing tickets on you. And I used to, you could really mess things up. Like if you, if you, if you, that's where it comes to behavior modification thing. If you really like that type of vindictive person, sober or not, you're going to be a vindictive person. You know, it doesn't matter about the drugs being in you or the alcohol being in you. You are who you are before you put that in your system. All it does is enhances it. Once you get drunk and get high and everything like that. So being a house coordinator, it was it was so interesting to me because I had all this information that I could really just tell you who doing this to you and tell you what's going on. But you had to keep this type of information within you. And they, you know, they trusted you with that. You know, they trusted with you like, OK, how, how loyal are you to your brothers to where I'm going to hold you accountable, too? And, and I expect the same. Because as a house coordinator, I had to write LEs. I had to do pull-ups. I got pulled up. I got, you know, I got put in a chair, all that. Because my behavior is still who I am regardless. So my thing was, how do I focus on, on before I get out here in 365 days, how do I change my behavior towards myself? I got to love myself first, first of all, before I be able to love anybody else. So the Texas House gave you that energy back. Like, learn how to love you before you tell your brother that you love him yourself. Because I can't be honest with you if I'm not honest with myself. And the text house just instilled that in me personally. That That's how I got it, man. Yeah, you, you have to hold your peers accountable. And they teach, you know, like when I got there, I thought it, it felt like snitching. You know, I felt like this is some snitching. But what you learn is if you really love that dude, you wouldn't let him get away with something. It's called don't let your brothers die. Yeah, man. they call it don't let your brother die. And and, and what you learn is the little things turn into big things. You know, you start sneaking and cutting little corners here. If you'll tell a little lie, you'll tell a big lie. Yeah. And that's a that's a, a hesitancy our students encounter sometimes is I feel weird about talking to a staff member about something I know my friend is doing that's concerning. And you're right. They sometimes use that term snitching. And it is sort of uncomfortable. But what they're doing, and you guys kind of reiterated that is, those small things can turn into something larger. Those things can be problematic in and of themselves. And so having someone hold them accountable is essential. I mean, they need that. We need that. So that's a good point. Yeah. If, yeah, you, if you're my friend and you're in my life today, you're not going to just sit there and let me mess up. Yeah. Because see, what happens in the Texas house is this. If I, if I write a ticket on, like, say I write a ticket on Andrew and I put Austin as a witness and he doesn't have that same ticket. They're going to be like, well, what were you doing? Mm. Why, why are you letting this slide and only he wrote a ticket, but yeah. you his witness? Yeah. So what were you doing? Where is your ticket at? Oh, I ain't write a ticket because I ain't. What you mean you didn't write a ticket? So what you mean? Man, they used to have guys in there. They used to get so deep in there to where, you know what? I'm going to write an early on myself. I've seen guys like write one on that. I'm like, that is deep, man. <laughs> so like. I feel like I was doing this, and that's how they. And I used to read these LEs from some guys, like, "Wow, this guy really wrote an LE on himself." Like, that's that's interesting. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, he told him himself. Like, you don't have to worry about somebody else holding him accountable. He actually held himself accountable. And to me, as it, as it progressed and, and, and the more and more you do it, it becomes repetitive to where it's like, you know what? I actually do care for the person. Now, they got a thing, and that's called rat packing. They put that in a thing, too, where a group of guys will attack one member. And I saw that, too. And if I, and me as a house coordinator, I had to bring that to, to people's attention. Like, hey, man, it's 10 of y'all writing one ticket on Android, 10 of y'all writing one ticket on Austin, or 10 of y'all writing one ticket on me. That's impossible. Like, what's going on? Like, repetitiveness. Like, your best thing is to, like, hey, pull them to the side if you can. Don't don't be repetitive on things like that because it's nitpicking, man. And it's tick for tag if I come back and just do it to you too. It's so much structure, man, that, that goes on, that goes on. And once you get out, it's like it can either all go away or you'll still remember it. And that'll just that'll just keep you sober to this day, man. The facility is run, so you get it's it's run by the own people in treatment. So you get structure. So they had uh, ramrods, which is like that's the bottom. The bottom. Uh, and that's and then it goes to department head. department head and then department coordinator and then house coordinator. Yeah. So Zana was like the big dog on the on the thing. <laughs> everyone loved him. They called him the politician. Was, they called him Obama because everyone loved him. I was uh, I was Obama and they called me. The, uh, I was the dictator, man. And so I never had structure. So <laughs> the ramrods were always telling me what to do. So if you have like a complaint or something, you can't go to a coordinator. You got to use your structure. You got to go to the ramrod to the, you know, all the commands come downhill. I never had structure because I was just, I was like, man, I was trying to, what you know, you know me, I'm wild out, I'm wild out. See this, But then I did start working my program. Yeah. And all of a sudden they just voted me coordinator. Uh, most of the time you got to work your way up. Next thing I know, I'm a coordinator and not even, it's just that I changed. Like, I don't know. I can't, you, I can't explain it. I was the safety coordinator. I don't even know what that does to this day. I didn't do, I still don't know what that means. They were like, you're the safety coordinator. I'm like, what does that mean? They're like, well, you need to go. Yeah, this. I never did one thing. I just got extra. Yeah. You get, you get like a $7 allowance every week. And so you. And that's another thing too. You know, the text house taught us too though, man. And what we say now is like, all right, so I went in there. Uh, you know me, I love clothes, I love shoes, I love all this stuff, man. I went in there. Uh, they take all that away from you. You know, you don't have no phone in there. You don't have none of this in there. So it was, it was eight pair, eight pair pants. Yes, you so have a list of what it's, it's. So they're telling you right now, this is what you really need to get by. Yeah, two pairs of shoes, something like that. Two pair of shoes, eight, eight pair of pants, pants, five shirts, something five like shirts, one dress shirt, one suit if you have a suit. A lot of people didn't have suits, you know what I'm saying? But it just and you had to fold it, you had to fold this stuff, you had to fold your clothes, you had to clean your clothes. Once you clean, once you wash your clothes, you had to clean out the washer because you're getting it ready for the next guy coming up. It's just so much family-oriented stuff that you really didn't realize. Oh, I'm not doing when I wasn't in here, I wasn't doing all this. Like I didn't know about cleaning baseboards, man. I learned that in that. You know what I'm saying? And then I learned about how to be disciplined that somebody's not, they're not going to be you, man. It's a really good place because, like, if you're a cat like us, doing all that stuff is foreign. But there's some cats that were like... Man, they knew how to do it. They know how to work and they've been responsible. They, You know, they were CEOs of businesses yeah, that went to Skid Row. So for them, it wasn't the getting up and working and making your bed thing. That was easy for them. But the learning how to deal with others on yeah. a daily basis or learning how to stay serene while 
you know, if some of these guys were funny, they were like big corporate guys, and all of a sudden they're living with 60 dope fiends. Really? 60 of the worst hookers and crookers you've ever seen. And and so like they'd be like, oh my God, you know, they couldn't, they didn't know how to handle it, you know. They didn't know how to like, you know what, we need to communicate how to mentally be okay with things not going my way. And what are the tools for that? And and it's funny, man. I was the most serene I'd ever been there because I was doing the program yeah. and and using the tools of the program, you know, and that gave that gave me a sense of serenity that I'd never had. And, you know, because it was it was tough. And, you know, those first few weeks were so tough for me, man, especially like they put me on a road crew and you get an authorized store stop. So they let y'all go to the store. And that first. Yeah, I had authorized store stop. We had authorized. So they'd have unauthorized. And that's when they they would break the rules. Yeah. But I wanted that. I'd get to the, that first time I walked in the store. And then you know how Houston is. It's 100 degrees outside. And all the beer was like ice cold, man. And I was like, my head was, I was like, it was started, you know, well, I could grab one real quick. No one will know. No one will know. You know, And then, but then you start playing. You know, I had to, I learned before I got there, play the tape through. What's going to happen if you do this? And then you start realizing like you're out in a hundred degree weather in the middle of nowhere at a cow pasture picking up trash. Well, there's a hot beer there and your brain's like, man, I want you like, no, dude, like. Why would I even think about mm. drinking this hot beer and getting 16 years for a hot Michelob Ultra? You know what I mean? It's like it's it, it's so it's so old and it's been out there so long. The label's not even on it anymore. It's like, and my brain's still like, well, maybe I can get away with it. Then and it hits you like all the stuff you learned in group the night before, and you're practicing it, and you're like, you know what? I have this thing. Yeah. Like I am totally, my wheels are spinning right now because of some hot beer. Like no person who doesn't have alcoholism is worried about a hot beer. They don't even think about the things I'm thinking about. I see a hot beer and I'm just like, you know, like I'm all of a sudden I'm a space cadet, you know? And and so you, you learn and you, and then you see guys that don't pass the test Mm. And then they they always got in trouble, you know. And then you, like, I never forget I had a roommate in there. You, you learn from being in there for so long. Like guys will find fake things to be upset about so they can leave, you know. And you know, and the counselors would be, be telling you, "Oh yeah, that duck's calling him," you know. Be like, "I can't, you you ruined my shoe or something ridiculous," you know. Like you didn't do that. So I had a roommate who was tripping because he didn't want to work in the rain. He was throwing a fit. And then he left, you know, got kicked out because he, he wouldn't do it. He left, he got kicked out. He came back three months later and he had lost like a hundred pounds. I mean, he looked like a ghost. Mm. And that was when it really hit me, like the scariness of me yeah. believing that I'm right. You know, like that, how frightening that is. He looked like a ghost, man, in, 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 in a short time. You know, he was a big dude and he, he looked, he didn't even look the same. And I'm like, damn, dude, this thing, that's what I have. My brain is trying to kill me, man. I can't, you know, I can't listen to myself. Well, I just wanted to jump in really quick because so much of, first of all, thank y'all so much for being here. It is great to hear from y'all. So much of what you're describing about the Texas house sounds like the philosophies and some of the programming that is built into Archway with the accountability and and the peers holding each other accountable and and having that first period process group. And there's just been a lot of things that that you guys have talked about. And I'm just wondering, 
what are your thoughts on if you if there would have been an archway or you would have known about an archway at a younger point in your life? Like how would that have impacted you, do you think? Oh uh, yeah, definitely. Uh what what's the age? What's the age you can go to archway? What's how it's it's high school age, so pretty much so, 14 to 18, but sometimes give or take. Oh uh, yeah, definitely. Okay, so I, man, it's so crazy because all right, I think I had my first drink. I was in the fifth grade. I smoked a cigarette in the second grade, but I had my first, like, I actually could drink, drink in the fifth and sixth grade. I think I smoked, I smoked weed. My first time was in the seventh and eighth grade. So if I'd have known, like, around middle school, going into high school, because it just, it just, and I saw it with all my friends that I went to middle school with, it just elevated once we went to high school. You know, if I'd have known, like, more, like, if some friends are like, if a middle school class, uh, high school class, before you go to have to go to Archway, they had this one class because there's a lot of electives that we really don't need in school. If they had that one class that wasn't a dev program or anything like that, it told us about not just the use of drugs, but the effects drugs do to you, the long-term effects drugs do to you, and actually having somebody like us coming in and telling you what drugs do to you. Because if I if I I can't tell you what how to treat you if I never really done it myself. It's kind of hard to explain it to you. I can read all the books I can, but if until I experience it, it's, it's different. We just needed that one class in school to tell us like, hey man, we know what y'all doing. We know y'all getting high in this school because we finding drugs in school. We know what's going on. This is the outcome of that. Not just a commercial with the cracking of the eggs. This is your brain on drugs. That didn't do it. We needed actual facts of like, hey, this is the long-term effects of doing drugs, man, or doing alcohol. This is your this is your way out. Jail institutions are deaf. You know, not not to be not to scare nobody, but well, I think this is what you headed to. Yeah, man. To, I know. Like, I really tried to get sober. You know, I hated my life in, in those years. You know, and I was. That's so I really sober, so. I, I really tried to be sober. Like the longest I ever got was six months. And when I was 16, but I, I thought there was no hope. And this was back in the day, too. You know, I'm old. So this is, you know, back in the 80s and 90s, you know, they didn't know, like, you know, they didn't know it wasn't recovery and all that kind of stuff. I mean, they had programs, but I didn't know about them. I didn't know anybody that was in them. All I knew was like the AA groups that I was court ordered to. And it was like a bunch of, you know, like 65 year old accountants named Bill who, who you know, <laughs> Oh, you, I spilled more beer on my carpet than you drank. You don't know what, you know, I'm like, hey, homie, I'm doing crystal meth. I don't know what you're talking about, but give me your wallet. You know what I'm saying? So, like, if there would have been, like, if I'd have known about a school like that, that could have probably saved me a lot of jail time. Oh, man. I'm not going to lie. I didn't, play I didn't even know this type of thing existed. Yeah, man. because when I learned about the stuff at the Texas house, it changed, you know, it changed my, my whole life. You know, I was, I turned 21 in there and I didn't think I was going to live that long. Honestly, you know, I didn't think I was going to live that long. And um, I didn't, you know, I was like, well, what am I going to do? There's no, you know, it's always jails, institutions and deaths. And that starts to really suck. But after three years of that, you know, I started using, I don't even remember, you know, junior high, something like that. And so by 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 and 19, God, by 16, I was trying so hard to to be somebody else. I hated, and I did not want to, you know, at that point it was like, I was so sick and tired of it. If I'd have had a school that was a safe place where I could have gone and 
and right. been around other people this that weren't like, trying to get me high, high. man, I, I probably, that probably, I mean, everything happens for a reason, but I, I would have thought that would, I mean, I might be, you know, I might be a lawyer or something, you know what I'm saying? I might have a Ferrari. Yeah, yeah. So I have one more question, and then I want to know a little bit about the podcast and video show that you guys have. My last question is, you guys are out in the community doing various things. Like I mentioned, you guys came out to Archway a few years ago and spoke to our kids. You're at 12-step meetings, you're personal training, you're doing a bunch of different things in Houston. And what I have noticed about you guys is you have like no problem with meeting new people and extending your hand being there for others so in some cases people you've known for less than 24 hours you guys are like what do you guys need we're here to support you and so i i have really two questions one is what are some of the reasons you guys are so welcoming and so outgoing and so like willing to stick your hand out and help others and then the second question is what impact do you think that has on the people that you're like reaching out to I look at that as man, I, I know how to, I know how it feels being somebody's shoes like that. You know what I'm saying? I know how I feel like if I'm walking down the street and somebody give you a ride that's unexpectedly giving you a ride. And also and also helping people without looking for something in return is the most powerful thing you can do. I'm not I don't want nothing from you. If I'm helping you, genuinely helping you, I don't want nothing from you. You know what I'm saying? And and it's it's tough sometimes, man. Like like I wouldn't I just want to. I just want to treat people how I would want to be treated. I, I got like I had a friend, man. That's so crazy. Before I went to Texas, I was, he used to let me stay at his house sometimes, like sleep in his couch. He'd be at work. I'd be at his house just chilling. And the roles reversed. I got out and was sober. He needed a place to stay. I didn't once be like, Nah, man, I'm sober. Now get your life together, man. I invited him so fast to come over and stay. I was like, Man, this is an honor to do this for you. You know what I'm saying? And what's so? And it was like, Hey, my doors are open always like that and and i love you never know who you're gonna meet on the way up and you never know who you're gonna meet on the way down man and that's a fact because if i can't step on your toes because you don't have you think you have less and then when i'm back in the when i'm back on the same boat and you up i want from you what i didn't want to give you that don't make sense to me at all i need good karma yeah i've got a lot of bad karma stacked up man so i i need good karma and so i you know that's i i know that when i'm the cooler I am to other people, the better I feel. Yeah. You know, I'm selfish and I want to feel good. You know, it's, 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 so it's yeah. hard to be humble, man. Yeah. You no, know, people think it's easy. It's not, man. It's, you know, a kind word goes a long way, man. Yeah. And I never, uh, I was always a crazy dude growing up. I never had, uh, I'd have a new group of friends like every three weeks because people don't like it when you steal from them and stuff. I, I had to learn like, you know, if I want to, if I want to be a friend to someone, I'll have friends. Like if I learn to be a good friend, I'll have friends. If I, you know, if I'm like a crappy person, everyone and complaining, why well, I don't have any friends, it's probably because no one wants to be around me because I'm stealing their wallet. You know what I'm saying? So I learned like, and now it's been, I can't, that, it's, it's funny because it's I say that, but it's like, I've been sober 20 years and I, people don't even know that me, they, you know, but it's still in me. It's still there, and that's still where my brain goes, still to this day, you know, like, I, so I don't, I, now I've done some, you know, addiction will have you doing some low-down, dirty stuff, man, you know, and, and so I don't, I need all the friends I can get today, you know what I'm saying? So I need, I need all the good karma I still can get, so that's, that's why, uh, 
And I don't know, man, what other people think about us, but you know, that's none of my business. Yeah, man, that's 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 what it's about right now, man. Like 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 I was still saying that you got to put the whatever you the energy you put out, that's the energy you're getting back, man. Yeah, I totally yeah, believe that's, that. That's, that's all that all that I was seeing somebody like you send somebody wallet, I send somebody drop something, and you take it, and you don't honestly give it back, and then you lose yours, and be man, why somebody do me like that? Well, you just did that to somebody else. So you keep slapping somebody upside the head. Watch when somebody slap you upside your head to see how it feels. Yeah. It, it doesn't, it, like they say, it's no fun when the rabbit has the gun, man. Good energy comes back. Yeah, bro. It, it's going to come back to you, man. You just keep putting that, you keep yeah. putting them good vibes out there, man. It comes back tenfold. Yeah, man. and, and that, a fact. that gets to be like a drug. Yeah, man. It, it's it's so it's so infectious, man. It's, it's, yeah. It's like, to see if I knew how to fix a million flat tires, I would fix a lot of flat tires. So people see me pass by, but I, I like I, it was one night, man. It was crazy, man. I think we helped somebody, man, get off the road or something we did for somebody. It's just random stuff, but sometimes it's intuition too. Like I'm not gonna do that for everybody. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Like, sometimes I just gotta pray for you. Yeah, your your mind could kind of tell you. Because right now, it's, and, it's, and it's messed up, because right now it's messed up times to where people are doing stuff to where it's, it's wolf and sheep clothes type stuff. Oh, I look like it broke down, but they really not broke down. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I didn't get sober to be an idiot. You got you to gotta pick and choose, man. You got to pick and choose how you how you approach that. But it's always good to be kind, man. I still open doors yeah. for people. I say, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, yes, sir, no, sir. I'm all of that, man. Yes, yeah, I'm, I'm cool to you. Until you show me that you don't like me, so you give people that same energy. Yeah. You, I just you want to argue, you argue. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. You want to, you want to be a badass. Let's, let's be badasses. That, that ain't gonna yeah. get us nowhere though. Yeah, it's not gonna get us nowhere. I'm, I just, uh, I'll pray for you and I'll move around. Yeah, man, that's the best thing to do, man. Yeah, you, you won. Just put your hands up. Yeah. <laughs> Philosophy. Thank you guys. So let's talk just briefly. I know we're kind of coming up on on about an hour you guys have found a really cool outlet to express yourselves and be oh, yeah. talk about things you're passionate about so guts getting under the skin tell yes. us a little bit about guts what y'all do how you found it what it does for you and yeah as an outlet. Now, the crazy well, so, hold on the crazy thing about guts man we almost was called jeepers creepers <laughs> Craziest thing yeah. ever. We thought, man, let's but, be, yeah, we, we, we didn't know because we thought it was a cool name, Jeepers Creepers. But the guts, man, I think what ten minutes, man, it took to come up with that, that name. Yeah, man. getting it under skin horror show. We wanted it to be acronym so bad. Man. Well, when we were property managers at the Texas house. Our apartments were right across. Yeah, and so we would we would be with each other like every night, staying up watching horror movies because we found like. For us, and that's, I, our, that's our dopamines, man. I looked it up. I looked it up. I was, I was like, man, are we psycho? But no, it does cause dopamine rushes. Yeah. If you in certain movies, and I'm like, oh, that makes perfect sense. So we're just sitting there, like, you know, getting a dopamine rush, watching The Conjuring, and eating some chips, and no one goes to jail. And it's all positive, especially when you're giving somebody like a new movie they haven't watched. And yeah. Your favorites. It's and, like and that's so the ultimate goal, man. We 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 realized like. It had been like a year. Like, bro, I don't think we've watched anything other than horror for over a year. And you know, we're addicts, man. If something gives us a rush, you know, we're gonna, yeah, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna pump that hamster for the pellet. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and uh, and so we were like, when people uh, always, because we're, you know, you know us, we're characters. You know, we're always dressed alike, and we're always together. 
And because uh, that's just how we how we do it, man. And uh, people are always like, man, what do y'all do? The security, uh, are wrestlers. Yeah, are y'all wrestlers? What security, do y'all do? Wrestlers, football players. Yeah, man, y'all need a show. Y'all need a show. So we're like, all right, what would our show be? And then we're like, well, horror movies. We watch them every single night. Yeah. And then so we started doing that. And then it's been a lot of fun, man. When we've gotten it. It's so funny. I have a video from us at the Texas house watching Nightmare on Elm Street Part yeah. 4 and doing kicks and reenacting it and being goofy. And then I have, you know, and then a few years later, we're interviewing, you know, the stars of that movie. Yeah. You know, that was pretty like... It's, it's, it's to me, it's full to me, circle. You got to look at it like, for, especially for us as being addicts, man. It gave us, it gave us like an audience to, to reach out to. And then once people found out, like how we act, if you didn't know when they found out, like, man, they still, they sober, that's just a light bulb in people's head. It's no, it's no way to manipulate what we got going on. You know what I'm saying? We don't, we don't have to get drunk and high to, to do this. You know what I'm saying? The, the camera come on, it's guts. You get, this is what you yeah. get. You know what I'm saying? There's no acting. When you see us in, when you see us off camera, we're the same off camera. Yeah. We don't need nothing to boost our, our, our systems up to go. Guts is pretty much like you just turned the camera on in our house. Yeah, man. And and they give us they give us That's a lot much of, of of like so for instance, like you say with the dressing, with the dressing, like if we go to like events or something like that, yeah, guts gotta be presentable as why are these two big two hundred plus pound guys dressing alike. And first of all, they'd be intrigued by how do they find the same clothes like that? Yeah, we'd be twinning a lot. Like, like that's some big clothes, man, that y'all wearing. <laughs> and and you know, but it's but for us personally, man, it did it opened so many doors for us to three thirty five. So where we got we got in, we got to meet like you said we got to meet Joe Bob Briggs. Yeah, we got to go to a uh, Coke Classic Convention. We had a, we, we got we, to have a private Zoom meeting with uh, Freddie Krueger. Yeah, so we went to uh, we went to Horror Nights in L.A. We just came back from Salem last year, and he was wearing boxer shorts. And we were like, "Nice boxers, dude." And he goes like, "I'm hot." He got upset, and I was like, "Oh." So, anyways, when you were on the set of Eating Alive in 1976, yeah, yeah man, it's, it's it's to me it was dope. So we've had a lot of fun. Yeah, man. It, it got, but we have to have something positive to do, man. Yeah. So we both work out a lot. We both eat a lot. We do guts because we have... I'm, we don't I'm, need uh, idle time as addicts, bro. Yeah, especially... You got to be busy. Me, especially. Busy. I am... You know me, Andrew. I can't sit still for long at all. I have to... I have to... I'm just how I'm wired. So it gives me something to do that's positive and it's fun. Horror movies are awesome, man. They're scary. You know, it's fun to be scared when no one's actually shooting at you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. Where can people find you? What's the most, what's the easiest way for someone to find your podcast, your video um, output? Definitely guts. You got to put the dots in between though. Yeah. And Instagram at g.u.t.s.podcast. Yes. It's getting under the skin podcast. But if you type in guts podcast, we should come up. It should pop up on the, YouTube uh, also. Too. You can Google us too. You can Google Guts Podcast. Yes. And we'll pop up. Um, and if you're on Facebook, it's the Guts Horror Show. Yeah. And Facebook and YouTube is Guts Horror Show. We have like 20 different names on 20 different platforms. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. The, you, you know how that recovery brain be working sometimes. And when it comes to personal training, I know like as someone in recovery, it's probably more comfortable to be um, working out with someone who's in recovery. Do you take clients currently here? Sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sign them up. Hit me up. I, I would love to help somebody. I, I like to help people. We come do a gym class. Yeah. yeah. I like 
Yeah, we'll be out there stretching, doing but calisthenics. I, I actually, what's crazy, man? I actually, I work in landscaping, so you know what I'm saying. I, I'm, I'm more, I'm more outside in the field, man. Yeah. So I do like, um, I do uh, chemical applications besides doing Gus podcasts. But I, I work in mostly commercial properties. Yeah, we, we have our day jobs, and then we, uh, we just turn the cameras on, and and, and, oh, man. and you can, you can vouch for it. That's literally what it's like in Matter our house. Fact, you need oh, to yeah. come uh, Saturday with us, man, to watch uh, Scream. Man. Oh, yeah. Scream 6 comes out Saturday night, 40X. Yeah, J- Jamie and I will go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pull up. At uh, 6 p.m., man. 6 p.m., I-10 and Silver, 40X. Yes. Y'all come through, man. Scream, yeah. Uh, that's another thing we like to do is go in big groups of people. Yeah. That's that's so, our thing, man. Yeah. Is there anything else you guys – this is kind of off the record now at this point. Anything you guys wanted to talk more about or anything else you wanted to say that you didn't? Really, I tell anybody, man, like, far as, far as, like, whenever you get into recovery, don't matter age or whatever you get into recovery, uh, take it serious, man. You know what I'm saying? It's your life. Take it serious. Because I got I got family members, man, they, they you know, they going through it. You know, people, people, friends going through it. I had friends through the text house committed suicide. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I had friends overdose, you know, that I, that I went through the text house with. Take it serious, man. It's, it's your life, you know. And one thing about an addict, man, and it's expected of us, it's expected of us to relapse. Don't be ashamed, don't be afraid, don't be scared of a relapse because it happens. You know what I'm saying? We're human, it happens. It's just how you gonna do from the relapse. Are you gonna continue to get sober? Or are you gonna continue this relapse? You're gonna either go down one road, you're gonna be a continuous relapse and it's gonna end you in jail, death, repentance, or whatever. Or you're gonna get sober, man, and change your life around. Yeah, and have fun. Yeah, enjoy it every day. Yeah. Man. Being once you feel good and and you, to me, I've never felt better than me being yeah. sober, man. And that good, clean feeling where I don't feel all dirty, you know. I, I like that feeling, like good about myself. And you know, we didn't get sober <laughs> to be door to door Bible salesmen. You know what I'm saying? Man, man. We, it's enjoy, man. We go, like to go to concerts. Go, yeah. go to go to go to events. Go to football games. Go to basketball yeah. games. Go, you know, enjoy life, man. You know, be around your family. You know what I'm saying? Like that's that's the most soberest thing I love that the fact I don't miss none of my my nieces and nephews events and graduations because I was too intoxicated to go. I isolated myself from my family. I didn't you know me personally. I'm the type of person I love my family, so I didn't want to be around them like that. And now it's like that's my most enjoyable thing is to go be around my family. Man, I love it. I love it to death. Man. We are so glad to have you guys on. And, you know, one of the reasons that many reasons that we were compelled to have you guys, but one is because we know that y'all are the experts in your own recovery. And it has been great to meet y'all finally and to hear your story. And just thank you so much for coming on. And I definitely want to get you guys back out on campus. Definitely. That'd be awesome. For sure. Thanks for listening to A Way Through, brought to you by Archway Academy. Enjoying this conversation? We kindly invite you to subscribe to A Way Through wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. For more episodes like this, visit us on archwayacademy.org backslash podcast. Are you a medical professional? And would you like to join this conversation around teen health and recovery? Or are you a parent with a teen struggling with addiction? You can visit our website at archwayacademy.org to schedule a tour to visit our school. Thanks for listening to today's show. This is A Way Through.